Hey guys, it is Luke here from The Issue. Thank you for listening to The Issue Podcast. Make sure you guys catch us two days a week on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you guys stream your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a voicemail on our Anchor website. You can find that in our Twitter bio, which is at The Issue Podcast, or find us on Instagram at The Underscore Issue Podcast. Guys, make sure to tell your friends if you like the show, and thank you for listening to The Issue. Yo, what's up? We are back. It is The Issue. It is Monday, February 8th, and uh, you know a little different circumstances here recording, not with the usual equipment, but... Making the best of it should be a good episode. Yeah, no, for sure. I agree. And um, wow, what a game last night. Yeah. Just, just like this is the perfect day to, you know, to, to get a good podcast in because last night was wild. It was yeah. crazy, unexpected. Um, I had the Chiefs winning. I don't know about you. I had the Chiefs minus three and a half. Yeah. And uh, wow, that was just completely wrong. Um, uh, it was, I, I don't think anybody. If you expect the Tampa Bay to win, I don't think even you the people that pulled, that. For, yeah, even the people that bet Tampa, I, I don't think expected them to win how they did. I think you could tell after the first quarter though that that game was going to be Tampa's game, brutal. You could you could tell as soon as the Chiefs looked sloppy, they did not protect Mahomes well at all from the get go. It was just in the trenches. Casey got dominated from the first snap, and as soon as that first snap, you knew, you knew, mm-hmm. you were like, okay, this this could be a major problem. And then the game went on, and it you know it was a major problem. Oh, it got ugly. Um, I mean, Mahomes was running for his life, just simple as that. Um, he ran 497 total yards, just avoiding the rush before he even threw the ball total last night. Really, almost 500 yards. That's the most by any quarterback in the history of the game. That's insane. Um, you know, the most hurries in Super Bowl history last night. They the Chiefs played awful. Awful. I don't know. I don't have the, the the numbers on how many drops, but I counted at least four from the Chiefs players. Kelsey had two, which is uncharacteristic. Um, Darrell Williams had one. I'm pretty sure, um, I want to say Demarcus Robinson had one. It was it was sad to see, right? Because, you know, as, as someone who doesn't really have a horse in the race, per se, yeah. in that game, I was just looking for a good game. Right. And KC came out and was so flat and played awful that um you know it was just it was just not a good good game to watch. No, I think people were expecting that to be a really good game too, you know. Um you know this Super Bowl was supposed to be I thought a pretty tight game. Uh both teams uh, my big thing was look I don't think it's going to get too crazily out of hand in favor of the Chiefs going into the game. This is what I was thinking because, well, Tampa can run the ball down their throat, keep Mahomes on the sideline, and keep them watching that game instead of playing in it. Um, maybe they would have been better off <laughs> if he was watching the game more. Yeah, um, I thought um, Tampa's game plan was just excellent, though. But the was. Chiefs' defense executed so poorly. I would say... Hmm. Look, I know Evans and Godwin and AB, they're all good, right? But, you know, they have the Chiefs have some ballers on the back end. You can you can kind of match up with those guys. 
The only two guys you can't match up with are Gronk and Fournette, and they left them open all day. Yeah. Fournette is a running back, four catches for 46 yards. Gronk, six for 67, two touchdowns. Led the team in receiving. Absolutely. Fournette was second. <laughs> um, Fournette also killed them on the ground. They, it, What it looked like to me, it looked like Patrick Mahomes was the only one that wanted to be there. Yeah. He was the only one that showed up with effort. Mm-hmm. The only one. Um, well, wow, Tom Brady's just really good. He's I mean, really good. The thing that surprised me, though, like you said, they left Gronk and Fournette open all game long. You're seriously going to do that to the smartest quarterback like that the NFL has ever seen? And the, let's not forget, this guy was the king of the dink and dunk in New England. And then you're going to let him with his... Leave a running back with, open. What are you doing? Leave the running back and his main tight end that he's thrown to for like God knows how many years. I, I just don't get it. Brady <laughs> made a living throwing to, to tight ends and, and running backs. Literally that tight end. Literally Rob Gronkowski. Yeah. I, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to and, me. And you're going to leave him uncovered in the Super Bowl. Okay. Yeah, I just I just don't get it. I thought it was very Steeler esque on defense. Because I, I think every time I watch the Steelers play the Patriots, Gronk would, would shred the Steelers, right? Mm-hmm. And I'd be sitting there I'm like, Does anyone not see the six six guy? Like what are like, we missing something? In the middle of the field every like, play. No one sees no you know, what's think maybe guard the guy that's like six six, six seven, like yeah. two fifty. Like let's maybe start with that. Yeah. You know? And I think the uh the Chiefs just didn't. <laughs> they just, not at all. Um I want to talk about Brady, though, for a second. I think this win, um, I, I don't think there's anyone in the class with Brady in football, that's for sure. No. Um, and I don't even think it's just the championships. I think it's the longevity. I think it's, uh, well, I mean, you know, the appearances also. Um, you know, just the success year after year. Whether it's, you know, Super Bowl or just, just really good um, year in and year out, I think that's what separates it. But seven Super Bowls now. Most of all time, more more than any other franchise, mind you, the Steelers and the 49ers are right there with six, but Brady has seven. He's got more than two well, franchises. Well, no, no, the 49ers have five. It's us and the Patriots with six. That's right, yes. The Niners do have five. So, I mean, he's in a class of his own. Yeah. And I would say if across all sports, the only guy I can even think of in that category is LeBron James. And I know people say, well, what about Jordan? Let me explain to you why Jordan's not in that category sustained success. Jordan was had a terrible team. Well, not terrible. They, they, they couldn't get past like the first, second round of the playoffs until they got Phil Jackson and Scottie Pippen. He needed a system. LeBron and, and Brady don't need a system. They yeah. are they are the system. They bring the system with them. It's a mobile system. Yeah. You can, you, can, you can pack that up and bring it, take it anywhere. Yep. I was listening to uh, Julian Edelman, actually. Uh, he was... Interview. I forget who did the interview. It might have been, I think it was like some newspaper from Boston, actually. I did an interview and about Brady and Belichick and buying into, buying into the Patriot way and the Patriot system. And uh, Edelman came on, and this was before the Super Bowl. And he goes and he says, it's not really the, it's not the Patriots way. It's Tom Brady's way. It's the way. Tom Brady way. It's... It wasn't, you know, Bill Belichick and and all the executives in New in New England. I mean, I'm sure they played a part in well, it. Yeah, they did a great a good job. But like, but for the most Brady, part, that was Brady's way. That was Brady's team. He made everybody buy into his system. I agree. He did that in New England. He goes down to Tampa in one year. 
one year of learning a brand new playbook as a 43 year old quarterback, brand new system, brand new coaches. And they're trying to ask you, they're trying to ask you to throw deep balls down the field, do things you've never done really in your career. And he goes out and he wins a Super Bowl the first year. He took the, by winning percentage, um, as that using that as the stat to measure success, he took the worst franchise in American sports history across all sports and made them a Super Bowl winning franchise in one year. One year. And so I think I think you can only look, I know LeBron went to the Lakers and, and made them, you know, even better, but and I know that the Lakers are a historic franchise, right? But if you remember before LeBron got there, they were awful. They were really bad. Late Kobe years and and, and after Kobe had retired, they were bad until LeBron got there. Mm-hmm. Just really not good. They actually even missed the playoffs his first year with LeBron because he was hurt. And so back to that comparison, I think those are the only two guys in that in that realm. Look, yeah, I know Michael had to six really, really good years. But then after that, did not do anything. And before that, he didn't do anything. Yeah. Brady has done it from one of his, the first year he started, won it. And now this past year, won it. Like, sustained success throughout his whole entire career so far. And the same with LeBron. LeBron was in his finals in his, what, third year? And he just won them last year? Yeah. I mean, it's incredible, uh, you know, what they're able to do, both the athletes. And I think I think Brady's now put himself, I don't want to say he shut the door on Mahomes, you know, with the... The greatest of all time, but I think he shot the door. I, I'm, yeah. I'm just going yeah. to say, I don't think um, you know anyone's really going to catch him. No, I, I, I don't. I think Mahomes might. I think he has a chance. I mean, let's but not. If forget. I'm predicting, I'm predicting no one's going to catch Brady. Yeah, I mean, Brady still lost three Super Bowls in his career. Let's keep that in mind too. Yeah, so he's been um, to ten. He's been to ten. One seven. Um, but the thing that scares me about Brady. He's 43. He didn't look 43 whatsoever. No, he looked like he was about like 25. <laughs> he still looks so fresh. And he said, obviously, on the podium holding the Lombardi Trophy that they're co- he's coming back next year. He'll yeah. be in, around for another year of football. Which you figure they signed him to a two-year deal. I figured he would be back, you know. I could see him playing for another four to five years. I don't think it's crazy. I think next year for sure. I could see... Another three years, yeah, definitely. Like, um, and which I, is which is definitely scary. You're not, you're not wrong. And the other thing, I I see maybe another one or two Lombardis too. <laughs> to I his mean, name. look, looking forward to next year. I'm not saying it's easy to repeat. Obviously, ask the Chiefs. We thought they were one of the best teams ever, right? But from a roster standpoint, today, Tampa Bay's got a minimum top three roster. Yep. The Saints probably had the best. Maybe it was close. And, but they're way over the cap. They're going to have to let a bunch of people go. Yeah. So they won't have the best roster anymore. I would say other than that, like the Colts are up there, but they don't have the quarterback exactly right. They don't know as explosive on the outside. Um, the, the Bills, but they're not as good defensively as the Bucs. Yeah. Like the Bucs probably this morning have the best roster in football. Mm-hmm. From top to bottom, depth-wise, they probably have the best roster in football. So you look forward to, to next year, I mean – Who's to say that they're not? They're definitely in contention. That's for sure. Absolutely, and especially when they have Brady at the helm. But now, what does this loss mean for Kansas City? Well, it's not exactly good. Um, I mean, a loss is never good, but especially right now. Look, this Kansas City dynasty that everybody 
wants to happen, right? That, oh, Kansas City is going to be the next dynasty. Yes, it could still happen. But look, Mahomes' contract goes so way, goes up. I think he way made up. $5 million, I think, was his cap hit this year. I think next year is $21 million. And then after that, you're getting into the $40 million range. Right. So they're running out of time. Yeah. Oh, no, you're definitely right. I think next year, I mean, look, they're going to have a less talented roster next year, period, because he's going to make more money. And I think Kelsey's contract goes up. Like, they got a lot of other guys, mm-hmm. period. And I think you saw that, you know, I don't know how much they're paying their tackles, but you got to give them a raise because the backups were terrible, awful, had no idea how to play football, period. Yeah. Um, so what I think it means for the, you know, for Mahomes and the Chiefs as a whole, look, they're a very, very young team. Like, so young. So I'm not, I don't think it's, quote, unquote, the end. Brady only won back-to-back one time in his career. Like, and with that, you know, the Patriots, quote-unquote, dynasty, they went 10 years without a Super Bowl one time. Yeah. And you still say that the Patriots in the in the uh, early teens, um, or the early 2000s into, like, 2010s era is a is a dynasty, right? Well, they had a 10-year span where they didn't win any Super Bowls. Yeah. Okay, so that doesn't mean that Casey's never going to win a Super Bowl or Mahomes is done. You know, that's not the case. I think... I mean, I think this definitely hurts losing a head-to-head to Brady if you're talking GOAT conversation. Yeah, that hurts. Yeah. And I think right now he's definitely not in that conversation. I think it proved last night um, that he's definitely surely not. Not yet. You know, he was no. 2 for 10 at one point. I get he was running for his life, but you got to do a little better. You know, period. Absolutely. He, he could have played better. Yep. And uh, so it's not great, but I think, you know, they're young. They have a, they have a bunch of good pieces. Um, you know, even though they're going to lose – some pieces. They're still going to be a really good roster. They're still going to have a good coaching staff. Um, but it's something to keep your eye on. The fact that the enemy will probably leave for a head coaching job. He'll probably have one, maybe two more years there, but then he'll probably be gone. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're not going to be able to keep everybody. So his line's probably not going to be as good. Defense might not be as good. I mean, they got gashed yesterday, but still might be even worse than that. So, I mean, it, it could really go either way. I don't think they're done, but you start you know, picking coordinator here, coordinator there, not paying yeah. as many guys, don't have as much depth. It's not crazy. It could be over. I don't think it is, but like I said, it's, uh, it's not crazy. I mean, that loss doesn't help things at all. But yeah. um, Let's get into uh, little NFL deep. announced the, the, the yearly awards, right? Yep. And uh, I think a couple of them didn't really shock us, you know. So we'll start with those, right? Alex Smith, comeback player of the year. Dude almost lost his leg, came back and led his team to the playoffs. Didn't start in a playoff game, but, you know, played pretty well uh, during the year. Just him being able to, to walk, period. Yeah. Um, you know, Kevin Stefanski, coach of the year, that, that's about right. He took their turn the Cleveland Browns into a playoff team, a viable team. You know, a playoff team, definitely. And uh, I don't think they're – hurts me to say that far out of playoff – or uh, Super Bowl contention. I think they're in the top ten teams in the league, which I think is generally the, the Super Bowl contention window. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you know? especially with that running game they have now. Well, I agree. You're not paying Baker anything yet, so yeah, you got another year, maybe a year and a half, or another year, two years, um, before you you got to start thinking about paying him. Yeah, or moving on. Um, Derrick Henry, often the player of the year. I don't think that shocked anyone. Um, he's a beast. Period. I mean, he's he's insane. That's back to back, two thousand yard, uh, rushing seasons, which is just. Insane, yeah. unheard of. Um, just doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, he just he's just really, really, really good. Um, all right, how about 
Oh, oh, Chase Young, defensive rookie of the year. Yeah, that was good. I like that. That sounds about right. If you're looking through the league and thinking, uh, what's his face? Jeff Okuda did not play well at all. Um, the chin guy for uh, the Carolina Panthers, he's a safety, played really well. But t- the impact that Chase Young has on a game, is it, it says it all. Yep. And how much Opposing of a- coaches have to prepare for a rookie. That's what... That's like the highest honor you could have right there. Yeah. Um, and he was the cornerstone of that of that Washington defense. Oh, I agree. I thought, I thought you know, people talk, well, there's like seven first-rounders or something. It's like, okay, well, then why weren't they the top defense in the league last year? Yeah. And uh, suddenly now they're top three. It's like, okay, they were decent before. They were like, you know, top 12. But now they're like a top three. It's like, you know, come on. The one that shocked me, though. The defensive player of the year. Yeah, defensive player of the year. Hold on, hold on. Offensive rookie of the year is Justin Herbert. I think personally that Justin Jefferson should have got it. The wide receiver for the Vikings. Mm-hmm. I thought he had a better statistical year for his position. But, you know, the quarterback position is king. Period. Yeah. I think that's why Herbert won it. And look, I'm not taking anything away from him. He had probably one of the best um, best statistical years as a rookie in NFL history. And I think he showed that he's going to be something special, but Jefferson was a beast. And MVP, Aaron Rodgers, obviously. Yeah, I mean, you obviously, can't dispute It wasn't that. really close. Now the one that we have an issue with. Aaron Donald, Defensive Player of the Year. That one hurts. Here's Let me, let me explain to you why. Right. I don't, I'm not trying to take anything away from Aaron Donald. He's a beast. He's up there with Reggie White and Lawrence Taylor as the best defensive players to ever play the game. Period. He's probably top 10 players ever, regardless of position. Mm-hmm. Just from a sheer skill standpoint and dominant standpoint, he's a, probably a top 10 to 20 player ever. With that being said, he led in only one category that you would look at for a linebacker or defensive lineman, right? So you look at uh, tackles, sacks, tackles for loss, um, forced fumbles. I guess you could throw picks in there. Um, And he led in none of them. TJ Watt was ahead of him in every category except for forced fumbles. Yep. I don't get it. I just just don't get it. Um, And might I add that T.J. Watt was also probably one of the biggest energizers on the Steelers the entire season. All right, here we go. So, tackles, T.J. Watt, 53, Aaron Donald, 41. Sacks, 15 for T.J. Watt, 13.5 for Aaron Donald. Mind you, in one less game. Let me me throw that out there. T.J. Watt played one less game. Tackles for loss, 23 for T.J. Watt, 12 for Aaron Donald. 12? That's low. That's not even one a game. Mind you, that's just, so you're saying, oh, he's disrupting offenses. He averages less than he gets in the backfield and makes a tackle less than once a game. Yep. TJ Watt over once a game, well over. Pressures fifty five for TJ Watt, forty two for Aaron Donald, not even close. Forty one quarterback hits for TJ Watt, only twenty six for Aaron Donald. This is the only category that Donald has him in: four forced fumbles for Aaron Donald and only two for TJ Watt. Passes batted down, or passes defensed, technically. T.J. Watt, 7. Aaron Donald, 1. 1. Interceptions, T.J. Watt, 1. Aaron Donald, obviously none. 
How do you look at these stats? How do you even look at the film? T.J. Watt was clearly a more dominant player this year. Yeah. Look, I get it. If this is a career award, Aaron Donald is much better career-wise than T.J. Watt. At this point, yeah. Because he's done it for longer, and, and he has had more dominating seasons than T.J. has. But this season, this is a seasonal award. Defensive player of the year, of the year, right? Of the year. And T.J. Watt had a better year than Aaron Donald, period. I don't understand. And it wasn't even all that close. It really wasn't close. So. It's a disgrace. I did see J.J. Watt tweeted. Uh, I think he replied to the tweet of uh, that, that T.J. put up. He said, this... Uh, this year's off-season work our workouts are about to be like phenomenal. <laughs> oh, it's going to be insane. I mean, everyone, everyone, you know, Eric Ebron. I feel for TJ Watt, man. He deserves this award. AD, my brother, uh, talking about Aaron Donald, and a beast. But TJ deserved that. I mean, everyone knows it. Juju knows it. Cam Hayward said, you know, TJ Watt's my defensive MVP this year. Period. Even people outside of Pittsburgh are saying it. And oh, yeah. lists everywhere can't believe it. No, it, it just really doesn't make sense at all. Uh, there's no statistical evidence to that. I'm not trying to take anything, from, anything away from Aaron Donald. He's a beast. He's a beast. And he probably should win Defensive Player of the Year, you know, every other season, roughly. You mm-hmm. know, he should have probably about seven or eight of them by the end of his career. He's got three now because he's that good. Yep. But if he's going every other year, that means T.J. Watt should be the other guy there, period. End of, end of story. Those are the two best defenders in all of football. This is the second time that statistically a Steelers player has matched up better than the defensive player of the year, right? So I know Stephon Gilmore lines up generally against better players, and he lined up for more snaps against those players. But I think it was per 100 snaps. Steven Nelson had him beat in every category last year. Every category. I don't think Steven Nelson's a better cornerback than Stephon Gilmore. I'm not trying to say that. But from a year basis, from per 100 plays... Stephon Gilmore was clearly an inferior defensive back to Steven Nelson. It wasn't even close. Yeah. Interceptions, passive defense, tackles, all of it Steven Nelson led in. Every category. I'm not saying he should have won defensive player of the year, obviously. But that's a second year in a row now that a Steelers player has been clearly better than the defensive player of the year in every category and not been given any credit. Just absolutely snubbed right out of it. Doesn't make any sense to me at all. Doesn't no. make sense. It's more of a popularity contest at this point. Yeah. So, whatever. Um, okay, okay. So, we predicted, what was that, two last week or two weeks ago? Uh, we were going through who we think is going to take the first snap at each of these teams that are quarterback needy right now. Mm-hmm. You know, you look around like the Colts, Phillip Rivers retired. Um, you know, who knows what the Falcons are going to do. The Lions, we, you know, golf will be there now, but... Um, a bunch, bunch. There's going to be a lot of shuffling, right? The Eagles. Well, Carson Wentz is reportedly going to be traded within the next couple of days. A trade is expected within the next couple of days, um, and that's going to be accelerated. Like you know, they're, they're moving on, right? Uh, two things, right? I'm going to start with the fact that that's stupid on the Eagles' part. Yeah, that's really dumb. Big Ben in his third year had five more interceptions than he did touchdowns. They hung on to him. He's a Hall of Famer. Phillip Rivers had a terrible third year. Probably a Hall of Famer. Peyton Manning had, I think, 26 touchdowns, 23 picks his third year. Bad year. He's a Hall of Famer. Right, so moving off a quarterback after one bad year, after he's already proved he's really, really good, 
had an MVP caliber season. Now we're going to move off him because of one bad year. You know, that that's not a good idea. History says that's a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. So, uh, first of all, Eagles, dumb move, which I think that organization is just so lost right now. It's... Jalen Hurts is not an NFL quarterback. Period. He got so if you're sitting around the league right now and you're thinking, you know, I have some reservation on Tua. Well, Tua handily beat out Jalen Hurts. It wasn't even close. Mm-hmm. If you remember watching that Georgia game, yeah, Jalen Hurts looked lost. Tua came into that game. It was effortless, effortless. And Jalen Hurts is a smart guy. He literally looked and goes, "Yeah, I got to get out of here. I got to transfer because there's no way I'm beating that out." Yeah. So how are you looking around the league now and saying, oh, I have reservations about Tua? Jalen Hurts is going to be a star, though. Is he, though? Is he? I don't think so. No. He can't throw the football at a requisite level to play in the league. No. He doesn't have the accuracy. He doesn't have the arm strength. I don't see it. I really don't. And I know people are like, well, he can throw good enough. It's almost like a Lamar situation. Yeah, but he's not as electric as Lamar. There's nothing Jalen Hurts does that I can look at and say, okay, you're the only guy on the planet that can do that. Lamar has that quality. Mahomes does. Josh Allen does. They do things that you're like, okay, yeah, you're probably one of like two or three guys that could do that on the planet. Yeah. He does nothing like that. Um, but anyway, we predicted that the Carson Wentz would take the first snap for the Colts. Looks like it's coming to fruition, maybe. Who knows? He's on the block. You think Frank Reich's not going to jump at that? Who knows? He had I mean, Wentz in MVP form. I think that'd be a really good match, just a really good fit. I mean, look, look, Frank Reich was the coordinator when Wentz had that MVP caliber season. So, I mean. And you throw Wentz behind one of the best offensive lines in football. With a a really, really good back, probably one of the top young backs, Jonathan Taylor. You go out, you get some more pieces, some more weapons. Maybe get an extra wide receiver in the draft. A lot of good good receivers in the draft. So, I, I think it's a perfect fit. I think if Wentz goes to Indianapolis and he can turn this thing around, even just have a decent season, just a decent season in terms of Carson Wentz, right? Yeah. I I think that's a playoff team. They can well, go, I think it's definitely a playoff team. They Easily. can go maybe a round or two into the playoffs. I think they're immediately in the contention for AFC Championship game, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah, I hope it happens because I, I want to see Wentz succeed. And I think it would just be such a good fit. I'm curious at this is, point. Is this AFC not just going to become so loaded here? So loaded. If they get Wentz, it, it, that's insane. It's going to be insane. Right. I mean, Herbert another year. Burrow comes back. You still have Lamar. You have... Yeah, that's, I'm Mahomes. not even talking about you know Lamar, yeah. Mahomes, Josh Allen. Tannehill's playing out of his mind the last couple years. And then you look ahead, and some of these AFC teams need a quarterback. And, oh, wait, look at that. There's a lot of quarterbacks yeah. in the draft this year, too. And let's not even... Trevor Lawrence is coming into the league, and he's going to be in the Probably AFC. Be in the AFC. <laughs> Who knows if the Jets draft a new quarterback, whether it's Justin Fields or um, Zach Wilson has been thrown around in there. There's another new AFC quarterback. Another so. new AFC quarterback. Like, so it's going to get it's going to get crazy. Yeah. It's definitely going to get crazy. All right, all right. How about let's switch over to baseball a little bit, right? And uh, Huge uh, news out of L.A. They decided to buy another player. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm not really, though. No. Um, Trevor Bauer set... To sign, well, he has he has signed with um, the Los Angeles Dodgers for a three-year, hundred and two million dollar. The breakdown: He's making forty million dollars this year. 
That's more than three teams' payrolls, including the Pirates. As a whole, the Pirates, Orioles, and Indians all have payrolls lower than one singular player. They need a salary cap, which also includes a salary floor. Yeah. You need it. You have to have it. This is getting ridiculous at this point. You can't have one player being paid more than an entire franchise. Like, I... Well, I ju- it just can't happen. If that was the, if that was the same deal with football, oh my god, the same team would win every single year. Are you kidding me? Could you yeah. imagine if the the Chiefs were allowed to just go out and buy Patrick Mahomes whatever he wanted? Which I mean, basically he already has it. But if they were able to put like a a stacked defense because they could just pay you know just pay, everybody, just pay everyone. But God, I was gonna put a sweet defense out there and uh, yeah, Quentin Nelson, you're at the Colts right now. Why, why don't you come over and protect Patrick Mahomes? And we'll give you a lot of money. And he won a Super Bowl. <laughs> He'll just be like, bet. <laughs> Sign me up. So, I mean, really, it's it, it's getting ridiculous. That's I don't blame Bauer. Look, you're still making money and you're on a really good team. I'm not blaming him. It's a league issue. So Yeah, but hey, Bauer to L.A. Look, they had to do something. The Dodgers had to make a move to ca- try and compete with this Padres lineup that's coming out of the NL right now. Look, I know people are, people are overshadowing the Padres. Look. I think the Padres have borderline a better offensive lineup. Did you see the matchup that I sent you? Then the Dodgers do. Yeah, I'm about to pull it up right now. Okay, so let's go through just curiosity. I think rotation wise, I'll take LA. Right, you know Bauer, Kershaw, Bueller, Price, May. I'll take that probably. I'll get that. It's not a huge edge, but I'll take it over Darvish, Snell, Lamette, Musgrove, Paddock. Right. But from an, uh, a lineup standpoint, let's go through right. So catcher, Austin Nola. For the uh, Dodgers or Will Smith for the or no Austin Nola for the Padres Will Smith for the Dodgers, I'll take Nola. Mm-hmm. Nola's been a more consistent hitter, and he uh, he has a better percentage throwing out runners. Yep. He's a better defensive catcher, and for average hits better than uh, than Will Smith does. Better with pass balls too. Oh yeah, and, and blocking and just being you know. I think he's a better all around player. Um, all right, so how about Max Muncie or Eric Hosmer? I'll take Hosmer. Take he's Hosmer more consistent. He's more consistent. Muncie has never hit over 260 for starters, and he hit under 200 this past year. Hosmer's more consistent. Okay, second base, Gavin Lux, who actually was supposed to be a top prospect, got sent down last year because he couldn't compete. And Jay Cronenworth. Or Jay Cronenworth, who was up for rookie of the year. I'll take Cronenworth. I'll take Cronenworth. They're about <laughs> the same age. And Cronenworth, instead of being sent down like Lux did, said, you know what, I'm actually going to go compete for rookie of the year. All right, how about Machado or Edwin Rios? That's not even a question. That's Machado. Just me, Machado. Give me Machado. Corey Seager or Fernando Tatis. Now, this is where it's a little bit eh. It's closer, but I'll still take Tatis. It's very close. Honestly, it's like a tie. <laughs> Corey Seager's been more consistent throughout his career. He's been doing it for longer, right? Yep. And I think he has. A, I think he's a big, you know, as a hitter. He's a bit more sustainable of an approach. Mm-hmm. I think Tatis is kind of, you know, big swing, big hitter. You know, you know you're know, you either hitting a home run or you, we'll see. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think Seager's a little bit more consistent at the plate, but Tatis is so electric, I'd probably take Tatis. Mm-hmm. Now, the outfield, this is where it's completely across the board. L.A. L.A. Mookie Betts, A.J. Pollock, and Cody Bellinger, I would say is – is better than Trent Grisham, Will Myers, Tommy Pham. You could argue Myers over Pollock. Yeah, you could. Um, 
for sure. But I think obviously Mookie and Cody Bellinger probably two of the top three players in the league. Yes, I mean that LA outfield I would take all day over the San Diego outfield. But that San Diego outfield isn't bad by any stretch. No, of the it's still a good outfield. It's still a pretty good outfield. Yeah, I'd say it's definitely top half of the league in the outfield for sure. I agree, and then this doesn't, um, you know, have the bullpens on there, but the bullpens are fairly even. Um, the Padres have been going out and kind of loading up. They loaded up at the trade deadline last year, and uh, they've continued adding pizzas through trades this year. So, yeah, I mean, I think they're, they're pretty equal on the back end. Well, the San Diego team is going to be really excited, exciting to watch this year. If you guys haven't listened back, I think it was maybe two or three episodes uh, Tim and I both resigned our Pirates fandom here. We so. did, yeah. We became um, <laughs> San Diego Padres fans. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. And it's not a bandwagon by any stretch. Okay, We were in on this Padres thing. Yeah, I guess it kind of... A little bit. <laughs> well, you know, we got, we got some ties to it, so yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, kind of a sad note here at the end. Um, Pedro Gomez, the ESPN Sports Center reporter for baseball, he passed away at age 58, I believe. Yeah. Um, yesterday, I, I would cause unknown, but that's just you know horrible tragedy. He was a fantastic reporter for me. He was one of the faces of baseball. Yeah, and one um, of the voices of baseball. Yeah, I mean, you just remember. I always remember turning on a game, ESPN tonight or whatever, mm-hmm. um, having the pregame for the for that big prime time game every Sunday night, right? And he yeah. would be the guy up there. So. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely, um... Yeah, that one hurts. Yeah, definitely hurts, but, uh, you know, prayers there, and that's about all we have. I mean, right before I'm excited we... to watch spring training baseball. Yeah, for sure. We're going to be getting into a lot more baseball talk. Uh, now that football is wrapped up, we'll keep you updated on, you know, the NFL offseason and everything that's going yeah, on. Yeah, the draft and everything. Yeah, it should be very exciting there, but uh, we should have Dan Altavia on. Hopefully, uh, yeah. Before spring training, hopefully. That is the goal. Uh, San Diego Padres uh, bullpen guy there, right-handed pitcher. Um, but before we go, just want to give a quick little congratulations. NCAA football is oh, coming back. It's going to be sweet. It's um, going to be sweet. So uh, I'm pretty excited about I'll that. I'll pay whatever. Yeah. I mean, I would be willing to pay up to like 120 for that game. Yeah, I'd pay like, you know, most games are 60. I'd pay double. Yeah. For that, yeah, especially for the first one, Absolutely. like the newest one coming out. It should be uh, should be very exciting, but that is all we have for you guys today. Uh, so make sure you go to our Instagram, at the underscore issue podcast, and then go over to our Twitter, at the issue podcast. Guys, thanks for listening, and that was The yeah. Issue.